what we have felt and experienced in this place over the last couple of moments is not by accident. It is not by accident. It is prayer and it is fasting that has allowed us to press into a place where the glory of God can be felt in the house of God. Amen. And I long for the day. I long for the day where cloven tongues like as of fire rest upon everyone. Everyone. Everyone in this house. Amen, amen. I do feel to spend some time in the Word of God. It is only 1140. I do not believe that God is done in this place. And so that same quickness to yield to the working of the Holy Ghost that we just enjoyed in these last few moments, I want you to keep that attitude. I want you to keep that mindset. One thing we're going to take care of quickly uh, is as the ushers come, we're going to receive an offering. Amen. Now, for the record, this is just as much worship as your dancing and your shouting is. It's just as much an expression of faith as it is to, to lift your voice. I'm so thankful to be a part of a giving church. I, I say that very frequently, <clears throat> but I'm trying to drill it into the culture and establish it as a part of the fabric. This is a giving church. Last Sunday, we took pledges for Move the Mission in this house. $14,600 was raised out of this room. That's a giving church. Do you think it accident that we could step into this house and experience the moves of God that we feel in this place and the power? I'm telling you, God is here today to deliver. The power of God is present to heal the sick. The, the power of God is here, here to mend broken bones, to put marriages back together, to set free from addiction. Do you think that that's no accident? That's because a church will sacrifice and a church will pray and a church will fast. Thank you, God, for your blessings. Thank you, Jesus, for your blessings. Come on, we're going to pause in the offering for a moment. Why don't we just lift our hands and tell them thank you. Thank you, God, for letting us be a debt-free church. Thank you, God. You're so good to us, Lord. You are our provider. We do not worry. We do not fret. We look to you, Jesus, the one who is able to provide all things to his children. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
You may be seated as the ushers make their way through today. Remember a few families that have already begun traveling. Uh, and uh, pray, pray for the Browns, the Stewies, the Krebs as they're traveling this weekend. Uh, man, I know that it would be their desire to be here, but other engagements have come up. And uh, they were not able to be with us today. And for those that are going to be traveling to General Conference this week, uh, please keep them in your prayers. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. I will try to be as brief as possible. And I give the Holy Ghost permission to interrupt us at any point. And uh, his will is more important than my notes. I've got more scripture for what we're going to talk about today than you have seat. Uh, and so, at any point, I want Jesus to step into this room. I mean, he's, he's here already, but I, I want him, when he desires to move, to move. Amen. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples came, or one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Prayer is not automatic. Prayer is not something that you are born with. But prayer is also not, you know, applied calculus at a college level. Anybody in here ever take applied calculus? What about calculus? Any calc majors in here? There's a few of us. Okay. There's like four nerds in this house. I was one of them. I took calculus. And uh, I don't know how I passed. It was a miracle from the Lord. Uh, but, and a good teacher. But Prayer is, is not calculus, but it does need to be taught. And so Jesus says to them in verse 2, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the next few moments today, I want to teach. I'm going to teach for a while, and then and I feel like I'm going to preach for a while. So uh, if it's boring at first, just take good notes, and then God has a few things he wants to say to us. Uh, and then we're going to let him have his way in this house. Can we do that together? Everybody okay with that? For the next few moments, I want to teach on teach us to pray. Would you set your Bible to the side, lift your hands in the air, and ask him to teach us to pray in this house. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy, your kindness, your love. Let your power 
let your authority be loosed in this house right now. God, I believe that before this moment is over, there is going to be a demonstration of your spirit and of your power. I proclaim, God, that the healing power of God is in this house. I believe that the miracle working power of God is in this place today. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'll be completely honest with you. In my flesh, I was not sure that I wanted to preach on prayer again. And I'm pretty confident that as I began to read through it uh, and then shared my title, there was probably a person or two in this place that thought, oh my goodness, here we go again, prayer. Now, don't admit to that, uh, but ask the Lord to help you with that. And so I asked him several times, and this, this is what he continued to lay on my heart. There is a call to prayer for this church that is not coming from me. It is not coming from Bishop Brown. It is culture, but there's a call to go deeper in prayer. Heaven is calling Jesus, church, to a deeper place of prayer. Heaven is calling each of us to put aside some weights, to lay aside some distractions, and to do whatever it takes to climb a little bit higher on that hill of consecration. Sermons on prayer are only boring to people who do not pray. But when you begin to preach about prayer to people that pray, they get excited. They get fired up. They get passionate. Why? Because somebody that has found the power of prayer doesn't need to be convinced to pray. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't go through some dry spells and some moments in life where you've got to just discipline your flesh and grab your carcass by the scruff of your neck and drag it to your chair in the morning and say, you will pray. In fact, I had one of those prayer meetings this week. I drug myself into this auditorium and I said, flesh, you're going to pray and you're going to pray for at least an hour. I made my flesh do it. Why? Because there's power in prayer. Heaven is calling for a church that is already built on prayer and fasting to come to another level of prayer, to step into a sweet place in the Holy Ghost where only those who have spent time and energy and effort are ever invited to go. There are elements of the Lord's Prayer. As Jesus begins to teach his, his disciples per their instruction, and by the way, it would be wise for you if you, you feel like your prayer life needs to go to another level, you should find somebody to teach you. I would be overjoyed. I would be through the roof. I would be over the moon happy to receive a text message from you that says, hey, can we get together and pray? I, I don't even care who you are. I'm talking to everybody in this room. Now, if you're a lady, 
We're going to make some arrangements so that it's proper and it's decent and it's in order for us to be together. But yes, we can get together and we're going to make sure that it's appropriate and we're going to have a time of prayer. Why? Because prayer needs to be taught. Prayer needs to be learned. Now, I do not believe for a second that Jesus was giving us just a cookie-cutter formula of what to pray or how to pray. He, he was not just giving us, say, say three Our Fathers uh, and two Hail Marys and you'll be good. He was giving us a pattern. He was giving us a blueprint of prayer. See, the problem with just mere repetition is that it's hard to engage the heart, and that's what Jesus is after when you're praying anyways. The question has certainly been asked, why, why bother praying when God already knows my heart? Anybody ever ask that question? Why do I bother praying when he already knows everything? Here's why. The very act of prayer is a demonstration of faith. If he already knows and I'm content in that, then why is my circumstance not changing? Prayer requires me to bring into voice my problem and that implies that I'm bringing it into voice to the only one that is able to do something about it. Prayer allows me to bring my failures, my shortcomings, my flesh, to bring that out and put it in front of him, trusting that not only does he hear me, but that he also cares. Prayer is a demonstration of your faith in a God that hears you, cares about you, knows you, and wants to have a relationship with you. There is nothing that is too big or too small for you to take to the Lord in prayer. So there's some elements. One disciple comes to him and says, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And the first thing that Jesus says is, Our Father. Our is corporate. Did you know it's completely pointless for you to have a beef with a brother or sister in the body of Christ because you have the same Father? And your prayer, as you begin, starts with our Father. That means the person that you're, you can't stand, he's their father too. That means the person you're bitter and angry at, he's their father too. That means if you're mad at me or you're mad at somebody else, he's my father too. And it's a, it's a call, it's a reminder that we're a part of something far bigger than us. Yes, you need to pray in private. You should pray at home in your prayer closet. You should have private moments of prayer where the deeper things of your heart can be brought forth. There are some things I can pray alone that I don't want you hearing. Okay, maybe I'm the only one. There's some nastiness inside of me that I can express to God that I won't do when all of you are here. But then there's also times where we need to come together and pray, our Father. That's why we have corporate prayer meetings. That's why virtually every Saturday night there are people at this house praying. It's not by accident that we feel the presence of God. That's because there were people here until about 10.30, 10.45 last night pushing into the presence of the Lord. That's because in the chapel on the other side of those walls, uh, there was a dynamic prayer meeting this morning. See, there's prayer 
prayer that's being made on a constant level. And it's to our Father. Father speaks of his relationship with us. He is an accessible Father. We say our Father because it is, our, it is, it is needed of us to become like a child. Those with children in this house can, can know and can understand what this is like. Your child comes to you expecting your attention. Your child comes to you knowing that you care about them. Your child comes to you and reaches up to you saying, pick, pick me up. Me right here. I got one child that's really good at that. Demands to be held. That's the access that God is giving us to himself. When we're praying, our Father, we're saying, Lord, uh, here I am. I'm your child. We're speaking of our status, our position, and our place as the sons and the daughters of God, especially those that have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with his spirit. You can approach him like a child would approach unto their father. Which art in heaven, he is there, I am here. We sang it just a few moments ago. His ways are higher. His ways are higher than my ways. When I begin to pray, which art in heaven, I'm voicing an understanding that he knows all, he sees all, nothing is hidden from the counsel of my, his eye. I'm down here on earth, uh, and I'm living inside of time, and I'm limited by human limitations, but he's not. He's in heaven, and he has all power and authority and dominion. And so I voice that in prayer. I voice that by faith, and I begin to declare how good he is and how great he is, which are in heaven. Heaven is his throne. The earth is his footstool. Hallowed be thy name. This is a statement of praise. It is a recognition of his holiness. You are joining with the heavenly choirs when you begin to pray, hallowed be thy name. Because right now in heaven around the throne, by the way, there's one throne in heaven and there's one seated on that throne and his name is Jesus. He is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of this world. But walking around the throne in heaven right now is a mighty chorus and they're just proclaiming holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You see, when you begin to proclaim hallowed be thy name, you're speaking out about the nature of God, his perfection, his holiness. You're praising him. Thy kingdom come. It is only in prayer that we will subject our will to his. Your flesh has a will, your flesh has desires, and without prayer, your flesh will not submit itself to the higher will of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're asking him and saying, Lord, I want my ways to be brought down. I want your ways to be elevated. You see, he's holy, he's perfect, he's pure. I'm not. I'm striving to be, 
And day by day, by the grace of God and by consistent prayer and fasting, He's conforming me into the image of His Son. He's making me to be like Jesus Christ. But it takes prayer to get there. And it takes daily. See, it's easy to just repeat the words, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But it's a lot harder to put that into practice and to live it. The point of prayer is to alter our behavior and to alter our mindset until we begin to live those words. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Do you think what happened the one time there was rebellion in heaven? See ya. So his will reigns supreme in heaven. And in prayer, when we crucify our will and we lay it down on an altar and we say, no, not what I want, but what he wants. I want heaven's will to be done on this earth in my life. We're bringing ourselves to a place of submission and saying, God, I don't know everything. I don't see everything. You're the one that's in heaven. I'm down here on earth, but you're good. You're holy. Your name is hallowed. And so let your will be done in my life. Is there anybody that believes that God's will is better than your will? God's ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Not only that, he's never had he's never had a thought towards you that came from wicked intent. There are people in this room that have had evil thoughts towards me, and there are people in this room that I've had evil thoughts toward them, and I've had to repent. But God has never looked at me and said, "Man, you're such an idiot." He's never done that. Why? Because he's holy and he's pure. And so I can submit myself to his will and say, Jesus, uh, change my life. Change my heart. Give us this day our daily bread. He is our provider. It is pointless for us to fret. It is pointless for us to worry. It is pointless for us to panic. We must instead pray. Give me this day my daily bread. This is both material and this is spiritual. This is, it is necessary for us as a people to have a mindset of prayer where we depend on Jesus Christ to provide for us. Again, spiritual and financial. Look, if, if you've got bills to pay and you've got problems, you ought to spread them out before the Lord and say, Lord, this is what's going on. Give us this day our daily bread. Give me what I need to make it through this day. God might bless you with wealth and he might bless you with poverty, but each, each one can come from him and he knows better for me what I need than I know myself. And so whatever he wants to give me, I'm going to receive it and I'm going to thank him because he is good. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. My goodness, there's a whole different sermon right here that we could talk about. You, do you realize when you're praying the Lord's Prayer, you're literally asking him, God, forgive me to the degree to which I'm willing to forgive other people? Does that ever scare you? Because sometimes I, I can hold a grudge. 
And sometimes I can get upset and sometimes I can get angry. But when we begin to pray this, we're reminded in our spirit and the Holy Ghost will begin to check us on the inside and the Holy Ghost will begin to tweak some things about me that help me remember, oh man, yes, I'm asking God to forgive me for being angry and for cussing, but over here, I, I, I just remember this time that I'm not forgiving my brother and so now I gotta go over here and deal with it. Without prayer, I'm not reaching that place in my life. Without prayer, I'm not finding that place where the light of God's word begins to illuminate the dark corners of my heart. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. It's an ask. It's a request. God, guide my steps. Order my steps. Structure my life. Show me where to go. Show me where you want my feet to end up. And God, I believe that you'll keep me from the evil one. Humility fills this prayer. By the way, humility is the basis and the essence of prayer. If you approach the Lord in prideful prayer, you're not going to get answers. Not the ones that you want. But if you will approach with a posture of humility, you'll approach with a posture of, of, of brokenness and you'll say, God, I need you. I need you. The ear of heaven is going to be turned to your prayer. We doing all right today? Is this too simple? All right. There are many patterns of prayer. There are many vehicles that you can you begin to use that will help you to pray more effectively. And more consistently. And those two words really overlap because effective prayer is consistent prayer. Consistent prayer is effective prayer. But Jesus is not done there. We're familiar with this portion of scripture in Luke chapter 11 and verse 5. Immediately following what we call the Lord's Prayer, he continues on. And now we're reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Then... Teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. Was anybody awake at midnight? All right, fantastic. Two or three people. Okay. Nobody else was awake, though. So all of the sudden, you're at this friend's house at midnight, and you need to borrow three loaves of bread. Also, I don't have three loaves of bread. Okay, it would mold, it would go bad. So if you need to come to my house for three loaves of bread, you're better off just going to Walgreens or something, somewhere that's open at midnight, maybe a gas station or something like that. But you, you come to your friend's house and you say, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And he does what all of us would do. He calls out from his bedroom, look, don't bother me, I've locked the door. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. Again, it's midnight, okay? Please don't come to my house pounding on the door for three loaves of bread at midnight unless, unless you've already gone to the grocery store, okay? Uh, you you might have known this was going to be an emergency at 11 o'clock, and so, hey, there we go. Uh, and so he says this, look, I can't help 
you. But Jesus says this, I tell you this in verse 8, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, and I've got some good friends in this house that just might, if I pounded on their door, get up out of curiosity to see why I'm at their house at midnight. But this friend's saying, no, go away, get out of my house. But though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep Knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Remember how I said consistency is effective prayer? Here's this friend. He's knocking on the door of his house, uh, and he's not going to get out because they're really good friends. Uh, If Henry's knocking on the door of my house at midnight, the first thing going to be answering is going to be the rocking of a shotgun slide as I go to see who's at the door. But then then if I, I, I realize who it is, look, I love him, but if he's getting me out of bed at midnight, I'm going to be a little bit upset, okay? But there's a way that he can get what he wants. And that is just to stay at the door and keep knocking. Oh, come on. He can stay at that door and just keep pounding on it. Uh, All of a sudden, it's 1215, uh, and he's still knocking on the door. And now the kids are waking up, uh, and it's 1230, uh, and he's still pounding on the door. uh, And the family's all awake now. uh, And now it's 1245, uh, and somebody's still knocking on the door. Finally, that friend is going to get up and say, uh, look, not because we're friends, uh, but because you have shameless persistence. That's the attitude of prayer that God desires us to have. First it's humility and then it's a shameless persistence. I know you've prayed before, pray again. I know you've asked before, ask again. I know you've brought that request before, bring it again. Bring it again and pound on the door of heaven's throne room until there's an answer from the Lord. He says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Uh, I come against that spirit right now uh, that would tell you you've prayed for it once uh, and you didn't get it uh, and so God must love everybody but you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Uh, You keep on asking. uh, You keep on seeking. uh, You keep on knocking. uh, I've come to tell somebody uh, that's felt the call of God uh, to go deeper, uh, to come closer. Uh, You've been praying uh, for God to do a work in your life. You ought to keep on asking God, do the work. God, I'm seeking you. God, I'm knocking on heaven's door. You ought to get to a place in your prayer life where it's impossible for God to ignore your voice and your request. Amen. He's a good father. Our problem is that we get discouraged Or we get bored. We get discouraged because the answer doesn't seem to be forthright. And we get bored because we live in America and we're so prone and plagued to distraction. But I tell you, if you could ever get the revelation of prayer and ever get it, fall in love uh, with prayer, prayer becomes anything but boring. When Jesus shows up. 
Prayer becomes anything but routine the moment you step into the presence of Jesus Christ. Some of you have no clue what I'm talking about right now. And some of you know very well what I'm talking about right now, where you can step in uh, and you can get so close to Jesus Christ that almost every time that you pray, uh, it's like the moment you walk through the door, uh, you can feel him. He's there. Uh, did you know that he looks forward to your prayer time? Uh, did you know that it's on his calendar? Did you know that when you step into your place of prayer uh, and begin to focus your mind on him, uh, he's happier than you are? Uh, He's been looking forward to hearing your voice. He's been looking forward to hearing your heart. He knows about your needs, and he's excited to know that you have enough faith in him to bring your need. You brought it last week, and he's already answered outside of time. It's going to come to pass, but he just wants to see, will you bring it again? Oh, I'm preaching to somebody right now, trying to stir something down inside of your heart. Prayer is not boring. Prayer is alive. It's powerful. There's passion. It crackles with the presence of the Holy Ghost. So here's some practical tips. Schedule your prayer. If you don't plan tomorrow when you're going to pray, plan it today when you'll pray tomorrow. Odds are good the day will slip by and you'll find yourself praying out of guilt before you go to sleep. Limit distractions. Limit distractions. Now maybe kids are crawling all over you. Find a way to limit those distractions. Give them some chocolate milk. Push them off the couch. Get up earlier. My Lord, we're, we're going to touch on that. We're going to touch on that. Stay up later. I heard that coming from somewhere too. Limit distractions. If you find yourself reaching for your cell phone, move it. Look, nobody is calling that's so important to interrupt your prayer time with the Lord. And if it was an emergency, guess what? In prayer, God might tell you, hey, you should probably look at your phone. He could do that, can he? Maybe we should just exercise that kind of faith and stop trying to be God over our own lives, put the phone down, unplug, and discontrol ourselves, let go of control of our own lives, and get lost in the presence of the Lord. Take notes. What, in a prayer meeting? What did the Lord speak to you in prayer last Monday? Do you know? Or was there a word from the Lord that was given and now we don't remember? Take notes. Bring an order. Bring an outline to your prayer. Bring structure into your prayer. For example, this Wednesday night when the church gathers to pray, there's, there's going to be a suggested outline, a guideline on how to pray. God is a God of order. He's a God of structure. He desires us to do things decently and in order. Yes, there are moments in time where he just takes over and we get lost in his presence. But, man, there's also some moments in time where it's just discipline that keeps me in that prayer closet. And it's only order and structure that's allowing me to discipline my mind and to make it to pray. 
pray the word. I made a list for somebody uh, this week. Going to give it to them after church. It's four pages long. It's only out of like one chapter or one book of the Bible. It's verse after verse after verse after verse that addresses a specific need in a life. This word is so powerful. When you begin to speak it, it's like a sword coming out of your mouth. Your particular situation, begin to speak the word of God over it. Pray the word. Pray his promises over your life. If you're struggling with a sin, begin to pray every verse that addresses the opposite of that. Like if, if, if your thing is lust, you begin to pray every verse about self-control and temperance. If yours is anger, you begin to pray every verse about patience and long-suffering. If yours is hatred, you begin to pray Begin to pray 1 Corinthians chapter 13 over it and put your own name in it and begin to speak and say, Jared, he, he, he's not hasty. He is kind. He is patient. Uh, all of those things that love is, that's what I want to be. And so I'm going to pray the word of God until it becomes a reality in my life. Stretch yourself. I mean, sometimes prayer gets so wild, it's, it's advisable to stretch beforehand. Again, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't have a clue. Like, wait, what? It, uh, stretch yourself. Avoid ruts. I'll just, I'll be honest with you. This week, I was looking, evaluating my morning prayer, and I thought to myself, man, I got to tweak some things. It's, it's too much of a rut right now. It's too much of a, of a, just a pattern, a comfortable place. And you see you know what I did? I prayed before I read my Bible. And I'll tell you what, it busted right out of a rut. And I was able just to tap into the presence of the, of the Lord in the basement and just be in his presence early in the morning. Usually I'd be reading my Bible then. But then I was able to go to the word of God after that. And God began to speak to me richly out of his word. Stay out of a rut. If, if you're usually praying kneeling and you're getting comfortable with that, pray standing. If you usually stand, try laying. If, you, if you're sick of laying, man, you can run. Just do something different every so often to begin to break out of a pattern. The most practical tip I could give you is simply this. Just do it. Just pray. Now again, again, it is so important. It is so important that we take prayer off of this, this applied calculus pedestal and we bring it down into the practical God answers prayer. There are answered prayers sitting in this room right now. Some of you that I've prayed for are sitting in this room right now, and it's only by the grace of God. You want a crazy, simple, but very cool prayer request? There were two young men at youth camp. Both of them had lost their wallets. Neither of them heard me pray with the other one, I don't think, but over the course of about five minutes, I was able to pray with both of them. God helped them to find their wallets, and both of them immediately after found their wallets. Now, you might be like, well, that, oh, come on. I don't care. 
what you think. All I know is my father listened to a simple request from his son, and he opened a door and helped somebody find something they were looking for. I'm just going to be crazy enough to believe that my father cares enough about me that I can take everything to him in prayer. I'm going to be crazy enough to believe I ain't got to wait until I have cancer to finally pray to God. I ain't got to wait until my house is falling apart and my finances are around. No, I'm going to pray about the little things too because he cares about the little things. So just do it. Just pray. Just discipline your flesh enough and say, no, I'm not going to let myself off the hook. Like I said before, sometimes you just got to grab him by the scruff of the neck and you just got to drag this old carnal man down to an altar and you got to throw him down and make him to pray. Discipline. This guy's not carnal. He's fantastic, okay? But you got to discipline this flesh just to pray. It's like exercise. It's like anything that's worth doing. You're probably not going to be very good at it when you start. That's why disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Again, you ought to reach out to somebody in this church and say, hey, let me pray with you. Would you teach me to pray? I want to hear you pray. I used to pray with Bishop all the time. You may have maybe heard him address this. Man, I would bug him. I would bug him. If I found out he was going to the church, he, we used to go to the church at 7. Then he started going earlier. I'm like, come on, man. But I wanted to be with him when he was praying, so I went earlier. What was I doing? I was learning how to pray. I was hearing how he prayed. I was catching the heart heartbeat uh, that he had for prayer. Uh, ah, and God uh, began to stir something inside of me. Uh, it was in a difficult time and in a difficult situation in life uh, that God began to stir uh, a desire for prayer. I went too long uh, in my life living for God, uh, but not daily praying. I'm telling you, uh, when you begin to pray every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, even on weekends, uh, you begin to pray uh, and you begin to seek the face of God. Uh, you're walk with him is going to go to a completely new level. Uh, your walk with him is going to move uh, from something that just happens on Sunday uh, if the worship team hits all the notes just right uh, to Monday morning. Uh, it's just you and Jesus in your basement uh, and you're so lost in the spirit. Uh, you're so just lost in the presence of the Lord. Uh, I'm telling you prayer is exciting. Uh, prayer is life. Uh, prayer is breath for the spirit man. Uh, prayer is raising up something inside of you uh, that desperately desires connection with God, but you just have to do it. You just have to do it. You can't make excuses. You've just got to pray. Amen. We doing all right? All right. And that concludes the teaching portion. And all of prayers, I can hear them across this room right now. All of the prayers are ramping up. <laughs> Hold on just a moment, prayers. We're going to let you loose in just a second. Mark chapter 9 and verse 19. I'm going to hasten here. I want to get done. Mark 9 and 19, Jesus comes down off the Mount of Transfiguration. He takes only three disciples up with him. Prayer will take you to places in the spirit that other people do not get to go. Well, bless God. 
I don't know about you, but it, it bothers me when somebody else has had an experience with Jesus Christ that I have not experienced. That's not, that's not competitive nature. I'm not in competition with you, but if that access to Jesus Christ is available, I want it. I want it. And so when I, when I find out that, you know, my brother is having these prayer meetings and Jesus is showing up and he's, he's washing his feet with his tears, you better believe I want that. Peter, James, and John get to go up the mountain with Jesus Christ. They see him transfigured. They get a sneak peek at the glory of God. They see Moses and Elijah with Jesus. And they come down the mountain. And now here's this man that's brought his son to the rest of the disciples. And they're not able to deliver him. And so Jesus, in, in one of the Gospels, it says that he sighs within himself. And he says, oh, faithless, uh, there's a call to prayer right there. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you and how long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, when the devil inside of this boy saw him, straightway the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. This had been going on for quite a while. And dad finally brought his boy to Jesus. You see, there are some cycles of dysfunction. There are some. This was a real cycle of dysfunction. I mean, this boy's demon-possessed and has been since he was a child. And the dad goes on and says, And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters trying to destroy him. Uh, the, The devil's trying to get him to kill himself because the devil doesn't have authority to kill you. If he had the authority to remove you, you'd be dead already. But he doesn't have that authority. And so here's the, he's, he's tossing this child into the fire and into the water. And so the father says, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us if. He brings an if to Jesus Christ. But compassion is right up God's alley. He says, look, have compassion on me. Again, your heavenly father cares, and he wants to have compassion. And so Jesus answers with an if statement of his own. If you can do anything, Jesus, uh, well, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And watch this. Uh, This is a point that God wants the Jesus church to get. Uh, And straightway, verse 24, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. You see what happened right there? Dad led the way in the house crying out. Too often prayer and travail and intercession has been relegated to the realm of the female believer. But God is calling to the men of this region, lead the house crying out in prayer. Dad, you ought to lead the... uh, Why would to God there were a father in this place right now uh, with a need in a home uh, that would begin to cry out, uh, don't leave it. Uh, Uh, See, we're up against something right here. There's a mindset that the, the men do and the women pray. What a filthy lie from hell. The most powerful man you could ever be uh, is a man of God that knows how to find himself uh, at the feet of Jesus uh, and begin to cry out, Lord, uh, help mine 
unbelief. You're never going to be doing more than when tears are running down your face, Dad. You're never going to be doing more than when there's a shout coming out of your voice. You're never going to be doing more for the kingdom of God than when you're leading your family into prayer. You're leading your family into a place of desperation than when you're leading your family to the feet of Jesus Christ. Cried out is kradzo. Properly it means to croak as a raven. To scream. That is to call aloud. To shriek, exclaim, or entreat. Psalm 55 and 17 says this, evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud uh, and he shall hear my voice. Uh, Isaiah 58 and 1 commands, cry aloud, spare not, uh, lift up thy voice like a trumpet uh, and show my people their transgressions. Uh, hear from the Lord today. Uh, I've come to tell somebody, uh, you need to begin to let that voice out. Uh, you need to begin to let a cry come up out. Uh, you want to have effective prayer? Put some volume behind it. Uh, you want to have powerful prayer? Put some volume volume behind it. Uh, not quiet prayer. Uh, not timid prayer. Uh, but begin. Oh, the best thing you could do for yourself every once in a while uh, is just begin to shriek uh, in the presence of the Lord. Why? Uh, because there's a need. Uh, there's a need. Uh, and our God is attracted to a need. Uh, our God is attracted to a need. Uh, but if I'll never express it uh, and I'll never say anything about it, he is content to let that need walk on by. Cry aloud and lift your voice. Amen. 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 He gets to the end of that all. And Jesus casts the demon out and his disciples come to him later. And they ask him, Lord, why? What, what's the matter? How come so-and-so could do it, but I couldn't do it? Anybody ever get there? No? Either that's a lack of desire or you've just done everything already. You ever wonder like, well, how come so-and-so could break through and I just couldn't break through? How come uh, Reverend What's-His-Face could come and preach a masterpiece and it was just wild? But when I try, it's like, ah. And Jesus said, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and by fasting. Like it or not, that is the case in South Dakota. Let's lift our hands in this place right now. Like it or not, it is the place in South Dakota that we are in. Ha! There is, uh, there is a mountain that Jesus is calling us up. Uh, and this kind can go forth by nothing but by prayer uh, and by fasting. And so it's imperative uh, that we learn to pray more effectively. Uh, it's imperative that we learn to pray uh, more passionately. It's imperative that we begin to learn to pray. Uh, oh, uh, come on, somebody. It's time to cry out. Uh, it's time to lift a voice. Uh, it's time to spare not. Uh, Ha, 
You got time for just one more portion of Scripture? Okay, I heard two yeses, and that's going to be good enough. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How, do you, how, do, how, how in the world is that verse ever going to be true in our lives? Prayer and fasting. This is not something that occurs by osmosis. You don't get more powerful just by coming to this church. Now, you're, you're enjoying the splash over benefits, the blessing of being around other people that have consecrated themselves, but you've got to do it for yourself. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And this next verse, I've shared this before a number of years ago, but God laid it on my heart for us again today. For we wrestle not. And that's our problem. We've lost not the ability, but the desire to wrestle until something changes. We're content to wrestle with our flesh. You're not supposed to ever wrestle with your flesh, by the way. You're supposed to crucify that. We're content to wrestle with our brother. Rachel births a child and says, I, I, with great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister. Jacob gets revelation of what's actually supposed to happen and goes to a brook and grabs a hold of the angel of God and says, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. There's two elements. For those that are not praying, we went through the first 40 minutes of this sermon because God's calling you to a place. For those that are praying, there are two elements that you need to add to your life. Cry aloud. Cry aloud. Again, I'm not saying you have to scream at every moment of your prayer life, okay? But there ought to be times and there ought to be moments. You ever, you ever heard of the phrase Pentecostal croup? Has anybody ever left the house of God with a sore throat? Actually, you know what? Raise your hand if you've ever left the house of God with a sore throat. Okay. And you didn't come in with a sore throat. <laughs> All right. It was a really fast-acting strep, right? That's why we you know, anoint with oil and believe that God will take care of it. But you got to cry aloud. you got to lift a voice. And you got to be willing to wrestle. I ask you right now in the Holy Ghost, when is the last time that you brought that need to the Lord and you just put it on the ground and you wrestled with it until you found yourself aligned with the will of God? I, I, I'm telling you, addiction can be broken right now. Right now. Your childhood and the issues inside of your personality and your flesh that you've been fighting, that can be broken right now, today. 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 But I can't do it for you. I can't do it for you. I can pray for you, but you got to want it. you got to desire it yourself. Uh, and every so often, there's got to be something inside of you. Man, this, this is not, 
Look, I, I hate to use myself as an example. I don't like preaching about myself, but this is not theory. This is not just something that I, I'm just pulling out of thin air. This, is, this has happened in my life. Things that, that have come up to the surface of my life and others begin to point it out. Man, I like it more when God points out the flaw before my pastor has to point out the flaw. That's a lot more comfortable, isn't it? It feels a lot better when God tells me first, but sometimes I'm just not listening and it rises to the level and it stings uh, and I don't like it about myself and so I gotta find, I can take you to moments. I've got a moment in that back prayer chapel uh, of rolling on the floor in agony and asking God uh, to change something. There was a moment last night as we were praying uh, where finally for the first time in my life, uh, God let me step into a place uh, where I was thankful for for the loneliness, uh, and it wasn't a burden, but it was a blessing. I'm telling you, uh, if you learn to wrestle in prayer, uh, you'll find yourself uh, tearing down some strongholds uh, in your life. Uh, you'll find yourself tearing off uh, the shackles that the enemy wants to put on your mind, uh, but you've got to be content uh, to wrestle. There's nothing cute or glamorous about it. Uh, cute prayers get cute results. Patty cake prayers get patty cake results. Uh, the garden was anything but cute. Uh, Jesus is in the garden. Uh, the Bible describes it like this. Uh, he was sore amazed and very heavy. Uh, Jesus said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful until death. Uh, in Matthew, it says that he went a stone's throw into the garden uh, and he fell uh, on his face. Uh, he fell uh, prostrate on the ground because of the burden of prayer. Uh, he was desperate for a friend to watch and pray with him but everybody slept in agony he prayed more earnestly the sweat began to mingle with drops of blood on his forehead he persisted in prayer three times he went to the father with the same request presumably three whole hours of prayer wrestling there on the ground in the garden without a single Kleenex to wipe his nose on I'm thankful uh, that we got access to these wonderful little vitamin E and aloe laden things. Uh, but all Jesus had uh, was the robe he was wearing. Can you imagine the sight? When the Roman soldiers finally came to get him. After a three hour wrestling match and blood running down his face uh, and his eyes are puffy and swollen. Why? Uh, he was wrestling flesh to the place of submission. Uh, he was wrestling his problem uh, to a place where it aligned with the will of God. Uh, and I've simply come to declare to somebody today uh, the way that your prayer is going to be answered uh, is when you begin to cry aloud uh, and you begin to wrestle like you've never wrestled before.